All right, welcome back. We're on episode eight of the One Fine Dynasty League podcast. This will be the week three recap as we run through all six games. We're going to start off with what was billed as the game of the week, but ended up being the blowout of the week. It was my Spencer Strasmore's clients, 101 against the Curb Stompers, who had 53. It was predicted to be a blowout, but not this far. The, the predicted score was 81-63. The Spencer Strasmore's clients are 3-0. Curb Stompers are 1-2. Everybody picked my team. Um, running down my team, Alvin Kamara, had the, he stole the show. He had 15 receptions, 190 total yards. Um, it was pretty uh, pretty darn impressive. He had big games out of Evans, Fuller, and uh, Isaiah Kroll. And uh, this is the second time this year that SSC has uh, greatly outperformed their predicted score. So I don't know how long that's going to keep up. Um, over on the curbstopper side, we had uh, Cousins, who looked pretty terrible against Buffalo and uh, was uh, negative in the first three quarters. He could have even an uglier game if uh, there wasn't a late score to, uh, to Rudolph. And Chris Thompson put up the goose egg. The only takeaway I see that I like is that Carrion Johnson might actually turn into a decent asset this year. Well, the, you kind of hit on it, and that's basically going to be kind of my uh, theme for the show this week is this, come on, come on, with all of these scores. You know, there's different games that inevitably there's one guy that does that. And then for Curb Stompers, it was Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota game. It's You're, you're looking at it going, come on. And, uh, and and inevitably, like I said, too, he had two out of Chris Hogan, two out of Theodore Riddick. Now, he had zero out of Chris Thompson, which I think is quite anomalous, but switch that with James White, and basically you still have that zero. And uh, that's what he's going to be chasing all the way around uh, for the remainder of the year. As far as uh, Spencer Strasmore's uh, suit and tie, <laughs> ho-hum. Yeah, what a, what a weird week. Um for fantasy football as a whole. I mean, a weird week in football, but I mean, the fantasy scores were very strange uh, to say the least. Uh, this one was pretty much never in doubt. I mean, Crow went full snackable right off the bat on Thursday night. I mean, you were up 15, nothing. And I don't think it ever got remotely close um, from that perspective. And I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Paul's lead up for this, this game was looking at curb stoppers and looking at their quarterback play and, considering the number of quarterbacks on his team, still none of them did very well. I don't, not a whole no. lot of high spots uh, to look at. I mean, Rashad Penny is now is kind of a question mark of whether he's going to look good in that Seattle offense. Uh, like you said, carry on Johnson hit seven, but I mean, that's still that's seven in a win where they were running the ball and still not putting up a ton of points. It's that typical Detroit timeshare. So I, you know, I, I don't know if there's any player you can kind of hang your hat on and say, okay, this is, this is where I have a bright spot. That's true. I mean, I guess I was uh, more tempering it because I, it was the first time, what, 70 games that they actually had a uh, hundred yards rushing. So uh, mm-hmm. that, that's a plus when it comes out of the Detroit backfield. That was sort of my point is he's you know, starting two Detroit running backs is a uh, kind of dicey. Well, he is the obvious uh, lead back there. I mean, it's going to take a while because of the way the NFL works with, you know, all the veteran and blunt, and I'm not going to take away his, uh, take away his, uh, uh, carries and that sort of thing, because that's what, you know, uh, coaches do in the NFL when it's completely obvious that carry Johnson is the best back that they have, um, until an injury comes along or it's just that blatantly obvious 
uh, to the extreme, they they won't go full time to Johnson. That's a good point. That's a good point. So we're going to move on to the next game. We had Smashing Neurons ninety, Miller Highlife sixty eight. Um, the predicted score was seventy two sixty nine. This brings Smashing Neurons to two and one, having a good start to this uh, turnaround season. And Miller Highlife unfortunately drops to zero and three. All of us were on the side of the Smashing Neurons. Quickly running down the Neurons, we had Matt Ryan you know, stealing the show. He looked like with this new. Uh, approach to the play calling in Atlanta along with another great wide receiver option in Calvin Ridley there's a there's a lot of points to be scored the running backs were strong you had uh, Howard and Barkley turning along they had TDs each and uh, don't look now but this Bears defense or the whole defense special teams might be rejuvenated like the uh, defensive special teams of yesteryear when you had Erlacher and uh, Devin Hester on special teams over on Miller Highlife side of course we touched on it before we had Carlos Hyde on the bench the 18 wouldn't have made the difference, but it would have made it closer. Um, interesting enough, it looks like Road Ben might be back. Deion Lewis is stuck in a very dull offense, and he doesn't look like he can do the same things that he was doing in New England. But the plus side over with David Johnson, that maybe with Josh Rosen, he'll stop pressing as much, and he'll have a, a game like he did uh, this last weekend. And finally, you did see uh, Royce Freeman get a TD, but that might have been really uh, aided by Philip Lindsay, not... Uh, with his cheating uh, attempts there with, uh, I guess, uh, kidney punches and whatnot. So uh, that's pretty much <laughs> what I saw. Yeah. Well, I mean, Big Ben uh, definitely buoyed his his uh, uh, scoring output. I mean, it's always hard when you have 18 on the bench, 17 on the bench, 11 on the bench, um, it, you know, and, and look at it and being – you know, 22 down, you definitely could have made up that difference as far as Miller Hyde life talking about. I'm not totally sold on the idea that uh, road game Ben is back. I mean, you, you said two good games. I mean, he did only have one point in Cleveland, so it's not like <laughs> road Ben is back. We were expecting a big shootout there uh, as, far, as far as offensively, and we pretty much got it. I mean, Tampa Bay got really close to coming back in that one. Uh, Deion Lewis, that, again, the theme, Come on, the Tennessee Jacksonville game. I mean, what was that game? Nine to six? Seriously? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, you know, this is the NFL here, and we're going back to the 50s when we're looking at a nine to six game. This is ridiculous. Uh, you know, and, and then over on Smashing Neuron's side, I mean, Kelly keeps plugging away. Uh, she keeps putting up these nice, really good performances. I think that, uh, you know, if we had the uh, drop for little Ice Ice Baby, I mean, <laughs> that's what it was all about right there. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, again, this is a this is one of those games that could have been a lot worse. Um, I think realistically, you know, I, I watched a lot of these players play because, you know, I wasn't focused on just my team because they were they weren't playing this, you know, this weekend. So I, I caught a lot of the, of the random games. And as much as the Kansas City offense went off, I mean, Tyreek Hill three points because he just had double coverage, you know, the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. I was amazed at how much Clement was the workhorse to get them down the field and then was not the back, you know, to near the goal line um, with Wentz. And I, I feel like some of that's just Wentz coming off of injury. And mm -hmm. Doxon and Thomas, I mean, Doxon, I think, got like drilled in the end zone on passes in the air three or four times at least that were targets in his direction that became pass interference is great for them as an NFL game. Not great if you're, if you're banking on fantasy points, but a few of those don't become pass interferences and a few of those become touchdowns. And I mean, this game gets really out of hand really quick. Um, on the other side for Miller Hydelife, you know, if he could have switched quarterbacks at halftime, the, the Roethlisberger for Fitzpatrick uh, switch, you know, would have brought him back into it. 
Um, it re- that game was definitely a tale of two halves. And uh, I just – I don't know that I trust the running backs. I mean, he's got very talented running backs, but they're just all hit or miss. I mean, as evidenced by, you know, not trusting Hyde and leaving him on the bench, I, I don't know that he was wrong in his thinking there because, you know, going back previous weeks, is that a guy you can trust going forward? And, you know, like you mentioned with, uh, you know, with David Johnson, do, can he trust the rookie to then get production or is David Johnson going to be running into eight-man walls every single game? Well, let me ask you this, Mike, uh, with, with Kelly's team there, I mean, as far as the Bears defense, I mean, this is, am I, am I overstepping here? Am I, is this too much hyperbole uh, to say this is easily the best defense in the Ravens? Uh, they're definitely good. Um, I mean, Khalil Mack is, is unbelievable. And I think it's funny that nobody recognized that until he got to Chicago. Um, hmm. you know, well, so he put up, what was the stat he put up? He was the first guy to put it up uh, since Khalil Mack. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, that was that, but, but it was, uh, he's had a sack and a forced fumble in all yes. three games. Yes. Um, he was the first player yeah. to do it since Khalil Mack. So <laughs> that just goes to right. show how good of a player he really is. As a little aside, and if they I w- had a quarterback, man, look out. Well, what I want to say is if, if, you know, a little aside, I heard some comments by John Gruden saying, you know, it's important to find a good pass rusher. And yeah. I, I said, was he saying that tongue-in-cheek tongue in or is he like that uh, disconnected? I, I couldn't understand the context of it. I think it's more just a, I, I think it was a half thought. I think he was trying to say it's good to get a good pass rusher in response to the question posed by the press. But I think he's thinking more on long lines of on the cheap, cheap, because that's the way that the, the, the Raiders are looking at it because they've invested so much in that offensive line and their quarterback. Look, man, John Gruden, he's just going to go. He's going to hit his rotary phone and he's going to hit the waiver wire and see if he can uh, dig himself up a uh, pass rush. <laughs> that's really going to have to do. I even heard on, I don't know what uh, podcast I was listening to, where they were speculating that maybe Carr doesn't even make it to Las Vegas because of the way John Gruden runs things. So it's uh, it's a little strange out there, but it doesn't pain me. I see that as a sinking ship. But since we're uh, doing this podcast about the league, let's uh, let's get back on track. Next game we have, we have Emperor John against the Hunt Narwhals. Um, the final score was... 77-63 in the favor of the Narwhals, bringing each one to perfect records in the opposite direction. Narwhals are 3-0 and and Emperor John 0-3. Actually, what was really interesting to me, besides the, uh, you know, the, the, the performance on each side, the algorithm to predict the score was so dead on. It actually got the Narwhals perfect at 77. It was only off by three with uh, Emperor John, so uh, good on them. Let's look on the downside. We, uh, we you know, over on Emperor John's team... You know, Jamal Williams, I think, was directly affected by Aaron Jones coming back. Um, there was a lot of frustration by him benching two players that he had in his starting lineup for the first uh, two weeks in Alfred Morris and Jordy Nelson. That was, uh, you know, 30 points, but I can't blame him on that. I mean, it's tough to chase the uh, Nelson-Cooper uh, black hole out there. Good news is it looks like Wilson might be turning the corner a bit, and Lamar Miller, you know, he's uh, turning along, and he seems to be quietly producing over on the Narwhal side. Uh, the Deshaun Watson coming out party didn't necessarily happen. What's interesting with him is he's really a fantasy uh, producer, but he still is not himself compared to last year. I mean, I'm not expecting him to go on that uh, trajectory to you know 100%, but he still has some rust out there. But the good thing for Mike, he's he's producing. Uh, Juju's creeping into wide receiver one territory, and then you know Mike Thomas, uh, he's uh, looking like he's wide receiver one dot one. You even have Tannehill looking strong on the uh, bench. Overall, uh, the uh, 
it, this what this reminded me of was sort of my game last week and at the same time i would say this is probably the narwhal's floor so it's uh looking really good over there uh, I, I would say that it's uh, poor John's tilting a little bit, unfortunately, if you could get a little of the ding, ding, ding in there, you know, from a pinball machine. He's tilting a little. Uh, it, it's it's always unfortunate when, you know, you go by the stats, you go by the trends and you make an educated decision uh, or an educated guess, really. And um, and it just ends up backfiring on you. And the, the, the Oakland wide receiver core is going to be this all year long. And it's mostly because of Carr. Uh, you know, we talked about it just a little bit there leading into this game. And and honestly, Cooper and, and Jordy Nelson are going to rotate as far as who's going to be getting the majority of the games. My theory when it comes to that is just play your studs, man. Just play your studs. Uh, you know, if he plays his stud, he wins the game. Game, plain and simple um you know as far as the norwals is concerned um the, again the game of philly and indy come on what was that game i mean 20 to 16 i mean it's two thoughts come to mind either it's indy's defense is actually a little bit better than we anticipated which is a, a very good likely uh is it's an all in likeliness that that is actually what's going on there and then philly i mean it's plain and simple that Wentz the the rust has got to get knocked off i i would say give it another two weeks and then Wentz is going to explode on somebody yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with you when it comes to, to John. I mean, he did, you know, you do, you play your workhorses. You play your guys that should get points. We're still early in the season, and I don't think any of the teams look like where they're going to end up three, four weeks from now. And agree with you completely. I mean, and, and look, it just, that uh, that Oakland wide receiver situation, it 100% depends on who they're playing and how they play them. You know, in this case, you, they saw a defense that wasn't playing a lot of uh, zone. They were playing a lot of man. And because they were playing a lot of man, they were doubling Cooper. They were single covering Jordy Nelson, and Jordy Nelson was open. And what that shows you is that Oakland could have an explosive offense. They have real talent there. It's it's just a question of is it play calling? Is it the offensive line is just a problem and not giving Carr enough time? Or is Carr just really not the guy that he can be and has been in the past? So it's definitely a question mark there. And it's just, uh, you know, John got a little cute with his lineup. And he, you know, he tried to, to force a couple players. And he basically did what I did last week. When I took Cooper out and I put Pettis in, he tried to, you know, pick and choose the guy that he thought would do well above and beyond, you know, the guy that is tried and true and is known to do well. And yeah. uh, that's what I lost. Yeah, and, and I mean, to to kind of, you know, to give the uh, flip side of that coin, we all do it, right? I mean, that's the game that we're doing. We're trying, like, that's why I said it's an educated guess. You try to gather as much information as possible. You look at the trends, and you make a decision based on that information. And in this case, yeah, particularly, keep the pack fired on. I mean, in this case, though, like, he, you know, you go, he threw in Disley going off of the, mm -hmm. okay, he's a guy that got a couple targets in the red zone the last two weeks. And I don't know if he actually watched Seattle games. I don't know who would be watching Seattle games. So unless you really have a note, a knowledge that that guy's getting a ton of targets, he's really getting the look every time down the field. You're just going off of, yeah, he happened to get the red zone touches. And I mean, Jordy Nelson easily slides into that, that, that spot. And now it's a completely mm -hmm. different matchup. Mm -hmm. Now you're right. I mean, you touch on a very good point when it comes to, uh, when to start making distinct changes in what you drafted for your starting lineup. Obviously, you can't stick with it forever, and we are in only finishing week three. So it's like, where is that magic line? And that's what we all have to go. And so obviously, it, it didn't work out for him, and now he's behind the eight Everybody's ball. Everybody's got their own line. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Completely. All right. So next up, green light for Breezes against West Stains Massive. Final score, 74-69 in the favor of green light for Breezes. Green light for Breezes is 2-1, and one, and West Stains is now 1-2. and two. Again, this score was really close. It was predicted to be 71-68 in the favor of West Stains. Um, Avery and Eric picked green light, and Mike picked West Stains. Um, I'll say off the top... Djax did not repeat for the third week in a row. He had his typical game when he <laughs> when he doesn't do anything with two points. Um, and then on top of that, Eric was right again. I'm not going to say this too many more times, Eric, because this is sort of making me a little sick here. Um, but hey, <laughs> Jill, truth is truth. But Breeze did doesn't need it spoken every time. <laughs> yes, Breeze did carry the team like was predicted by Eric. Um, I really like Landry. He's continues to be that really strong asset in our uh, half-point PPR format. And uh, look at that Rams uh, DST. I mean, they had a, a touchdown, a block mm-hmm. punt, two uh, fumble recoveries, two sacks. I mean, I think, you know, maybe they won't put as many points as the Bears, but they could give them a run for the money. Over in West Staines, uh, you know, what really did them in, if Brady and Gronk could have combined for more than eight points uh, against the Detroit team that we thought was just nothing, uh, it could have been totally different. And then uh, he got the Robert Woods, uh, you know, trifecta there with uh, 23 points. You know, you look at him, Cooper Cup, and uh, Brandon Cooks, and, you know, all of them could be top 20 receivers at the end of the year. The tough part will be, as I'm part of that triumvirate there, is which one will get the looks each game. Yeah, no, I, I got a, uh, I got a question there for you, Avery. You know, you and I have gone back and forth about Brady and side conversations and whether or not this is actually going to be the year. I say that this is the year that Brady finally succumbs to Father Time. Um, you know, but after this week and they're one and two, the Patriots are. Is this a situation where you panic as West Staines? I wouldn't. Um, I would say this Miami game is really the barometer. If they bounce back like they have in the past, like that big Kansas City shellacking they had a couple of years ago, um, mm-hmm. if they come back and they play strong, then I'd say, you know, sit tight. If they get uh, handled again, then I'd say I'm on board of the ship be sinking. Okay, this fair is enough. Gonna be enough. One of those, this is going to be one of those where we look back five or six weeks from now and we go, wait, the Patriots started what? I mean, if you look, if you look at when Vegas doesn't trust it, I think that's a tough that's a tough sell, and the fact that the one and two Patriots are favorites over the three and oh, you know, Dolphins. I think that tells you what you need to know about whether or not, um, you know, the the odds makers think that, that this is going to be a bounce back week for for Brady. Them I, look, I stand corrected. I uh, I thought Brady and Gronk would have a big week. I thought that the the Patriots would bounce back, and they didn't. Um, I do agree with you that if it goes another week, uh, it'll be you know that we'll have a giant question mark and remember that everybody thought that the miami dolphins were going to be the pretty much the worst team in the league uh going into the season i think they were like number 31 in the espn power rankings and they're 3-0 so uh who the hell knows what the hell we're talking about well i will say this i i did call it with breeze i did call it with sean jackson oh my I god i did say wait a minute now. i did say that the you can edit all under, this out, right, Avery? Oh, uh, yeah you can edit it all out but the over under or the uh the 6.16 point spread by Vegas, you're holier than thou Vegas that knows everything was just a little too much, and it makes me nervous. And here we are talking about how Vegas is picking the Dolphins, I mean, the uh, Patriots over the Dolphins. I would say Vegas is a little shaken as well. I mean, just like we're looking at West Dane's Massive in this roster, they're a little shaken. 
you got a big cornerstone in Brady and Gronk. It's not there. Woods isn't off and again, on again, kind of a wide receiver. I don't even trust Funches with Carolina. I mean, Cam Newton is an incredible talent, but that's because he runs the ball so much. He's incredibly erratic with his passes going forward. But on green light, does he make a move for a running back? He could certainly use one. Uh, there's definitely a question mark on pretty much every single player on West Dane's starting lineup. I mean, Brita with, you know, is a, is a question of what that that looks like in that offense with with Jimmy G down. Um, I mean, you know, Sonny Michelle and Brady and, and Gronk we've already covered. Uh, Marvin Jones is is one of that three headed Detroit wide receiver monster that you don't know who's going to get the targets. Funches, I agree with you. I mean, I think they're kind of a question mark. Ebron just drops passes left and right. How long does Luck keep going to him before he starts going to Doyle? Uh, so, I mean, really the, the giant bright spot is, is Woods, who's had, you know, traditionally good, you know, good receptions, good production throughout. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a giant question mark with West Saints on what they're going to do. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how they, uh, they uh, react to this and going forward, because I think we're starting to get to the point of the season where we're going to start seeing some uh, action, some moves going on between the teams, because with our deep benches, as we all know, there's not a ton out there on that waiver wire. So the only way you're really going to make that starting lineup better is by move. So let's see what happens. Um, moving forward, For sure. we have the Ninja Assassins facing off against the Bismarck Shuttlecocks. Final yeah. score, the Ninja Assassins 93 and the Shuttlecocks 80. Um, the predicted score was 79-80, but in favor of our reigning champs. It was a tough game there. We had the Ninja Assassins, very similar to my team, that really outperformed uh, what they were predicted. I'm going to wrap this all up by it was the chips going to the center of the table by the PSP activations. Patrick Mahomes comes off along with Tevin Coleman, so right there you have 27 points. Imagine this, if he took every player off the PSP, that would have added another 31, uh, you know, minus the person that was benched. Um, do you think Chu will go all in? Because look at Ridley. He scored 42 the last two weeks. It's tough to say, I mean, but I like that offense there. And, you know, uh, it could be uh, the move to Chu to make because, hey, it, it worked so far. And then look at McCaffrey over on his team. He had 184 yards rushing. He was going between the tackles, and he only had 10 yards yeah. receiving. This was a new facet of uh, McCaffrey we haven't seen before. Over on Eric's side, he actually made it a game. I mean, Pittsburgh uh, put some points up, but it was going to have to be a, a miracle. Um, you know, scoring 80 and losing sucks, but, you know, you should have confidence that this is a floor game like we've been talking about with the, some of the, the teams here. And, uh, you know, better days are ahead. You had Gurley and Hunt looking super tough again. Diggs and Bortles, you know, dig in. Um, you know, I also look, you know, at your quarterbacks. You know, we talked about your team is stronger than the quarterbacks. You more have to stream, but it's going to be question marks when you're looking at Stafford, Bortles, and Keenum. Yeah, no, I'm I gonna agree. I'm going to cut off Eric before. No, 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 I'm just going to cut you off before you yeah, spend your team for like 10 minutes. Talk about how great they are, and this is bad, and it's a weird Actually, week. We'll talk about two team, but go ahead. Team and whatever you're going to talk about. We all know Number how much one, you like to hear yourself. Go ahead. Number one, I, I'm pretty sure I gave you the uh, dead rights from the beginning of Blake Bortles. What the hell are you thinking? And then yep. from there, uh, but I do think that your team doesn't really matter in this matchup. And I want to go back to what Avery said about, um, you know, pushing the chips to the table. Yeah. I, I mean, you've already started. If you've already done it and you've already put in Mahomes and you've already pulled off Coleman and you're already mo making those moves, why wouldn't you push the rest of the chips to the middle table? I mean, if you add those pieces to that lineup, I don't know that anybody's got a stronger lineup down the 
you know, up and down the roster than Chu does at that point. But yeah, it, it takes pulling those guys off the PSP and trying to make a run for it. But, you know, I mean, if you're going to do it, why half-ass it is kind of the way I look at it. I agree. No, I agree. And that's, I wasn't going to talk about my team outside of, I was going to give you props about the Bortles thing, but now, you know, screw you yeah, on right. that. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just one to my three, but you know, get it right. The, uh, you know, if we're going to talk about getting it right, my only concern is with Coleman moving forward. Yes. No, it's a nice play. It was a good play. Um, is Coleman is a temporary move. Um, I think that probably six to eight points is his ceiling when it comes to Freeman coming back. If Freeman comes back, if not, then Coleman's a straight, solid play every single week. My only question, you, you like you said, to, to reinforce what you said, if you're going to play him, why did you leave Mike Williams on the bench? I mean, you're putting it all in there. Put Mike Williams in. Put in uh, uh, Ridley. And to, to think about week one, we were talking about this Falcons offense and wondering whether or not this was actually going to take off. And here we are talking about Coleman, talking about Ridley, talking Rid- about Ice. Ridley's... Ridley's too good. I don't know how you sit on him for a full season. I know. I it's 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 a strong play and uh, one definitely that's going to, you know, solidifies his position in being in the top division. Well, Eric, you're going to have to pardon me for mentioning this, but I want to share it with the whole podcast here. Um, mm-hmm. It's great that the Falcons have found Ridley, you know, because now they have their wide receiver number two and Julio Jones, you know. So yes, they uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I, I agree. I think it, he's got to go all in at this point. Why not? And I, you know, Coleman could be a temporary piece, but you cannot pass up that high octane offense. Uh, I, I'm really, I'm impressed. This is actually the surprise of the year for me so far. If we're talking about um, looking at the season and quarters, it is 13 weeks, but, you know, we look at it the first three weeks here, getting out of the divisional round. Uh, no team surprises me more in the potency than the Ninja Assassins. I thought they were going to be a team that, like we said, they got good pieces, but maybe it's next year that's the time to go in. So it's sort of like uh, your Braves over in baseball, you know, coming to uh, the forefront. We thought it was a little bit mm-hmm. further off or like my 2012 Nationals. Sometimes the teams click a year early and who knows, uh, the Assassins could take this division by storm. They certainly could. They definitely, if everything keeps trending the way that they that, that it is, I mean, certainly uh, they can really distance themselves for, from a large number of teams in this in this league. So I'm going to look at here, I forgot to say that, you know, Mike was the one who said the Assassins were going to win, and uh, yep. Eric and I were on the, the wrong side of things. Move on to the final game on the schedule for week three. It was the Mud Monkeys 87, and I got the Nuts 70. This brings the Mud Monkeys to one and two, and I got the Nuts to two and one. Uh, Avery and Eric had the Mud Monkeys, and Mike went contrarian and took I got the Nuts. Um, the predicted scores are pretty close on to this as well. It was pretty much predicting a tie. Uh, I'll look over at the Mud Monkeys. Uh, this game looked like it would be a classic Mud Monkeys game in my eyes where he was just going to fig- or not he, but they were going to figure something out and the, uh, the team will come together. They just don't seem to lose over and over again. I've never seen a long Mud Monkeys losing streak. Giovanni Bernard did what he always does when Mixon's out and scored 12. Um, Cam Newton's 24 was padded by two rushing touchdowns. So this is sort of the Cam, despite his erraticness and not being a pure passer, this is what he makes him such an asset in uh, the fantasy realm. Over on I Got the Nuts, hey, he had that season-ending injury to Jimmy G, but at least he got 16. It's nothing like getting a zero off of your roster when a guy goes out in the beginning of the game. So that you know that helped. You know The good news is he has Phillip Rivers, and I think that's pretty much a wash because Rivers' offense looks uh, really good. Connor was held in check 
uh, I think more because of all the passing by Big Ben. And Melvin Gordon continues to produce. Yeah, no, um, you know, it, it, going back to what I was saying about Sunil and the nuts, I mean, he goes as long as Gordon goes. I mean, obviously, again, it goes back to, come on, with Drake. I mean, he goes and he puts up one. Even if he had, had put up his total, he wouldn't have been up there uh, competing with Mud Monkeys, but we'll get to Mud Monkeys in a second. But the 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 the, the wide receiving core of uh, Beckham and Adams is really just strong, consistent every single week. And I, I mean, you hit it on the head. My other point was going to be that Garoppolo going out is. I mean, it's not it's not nice to have your your other quarterback go out, but having Rivers in the wings like that it makes up a huge uh, it makes it makes up for it basically. And over on the Mud Monkey side, you're right; they never go down for you know for huge stretches. Uh, but honestly, uh, their big pickup was Tyler Boyd and being able to play him. Uh, ultimately, if you're going to get these points out of Hopkins and Brown, though. This is going to be lipstick on a pig type situation. And uh, you made the joke about Julio being the best number two wide receiver in the league. But uh, I don't know. That might be in be Antonio Brown. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I didn't even think of that. But you're totally dead on because Juju yeah. Juju's getting more love and he's oh, scoring, he scoring more points. So it's uh, it's interesting over there. What do you say, mm-hmm. Mike? Yeah, and you know Juju is not uh, not vocally uh, going against his team and his quarterback, so that's a that's a big question mark about who's going to get more targets going forward. Um, you know, the one nice thing, I, I mean, obviously you guys mentioned already with uh, Jimmy G going down that he's got Rivers. The other benefit is at least it happened this week and not next week because he can slide him to the IR right now and not accrue in, uh, a year. And if it would have happened one week later. He's losing that extra year because we're past the beginning of October. So, um, you know, I, I know that's a, a weird bright side, but if it's going to happen, at least it happened before that deadline for, for losing the contract year and, and really having that loss investment um, mm-hmm. with that player. So, so at least that's good from him. I, I mean, both the lineups, you know, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see both these teams as we hit the bye weeks and as they start, because, you know, there's a whole lot of question marks on how deep these teams are and how much they really have to fill in. um, Or if they're just going to be playing, Hey, I have to go make a trade or playing the waiver wire game. Yes, I I would agree. I mean, like I said, uh, I think the trades are going to start ramping up all depends on if we're getting fair offers out there. Uh, But I do see it coming. Um, So what I'd like to look at now is this week, we had Avery and Eric 5-1 and one with their predictions. Mike was 4-2. and two. That brings us for the season of Avery and Mike at 9-3, and three, and Eric one game behind at 8-4. and four. So I think we're doing pretty well on seeing what's going to happen. Um, it'll be yeah. interesting when a, a bad week comes up. So the next section I'd like to get into before we sort of wrap it up or whatever other observations we had on the week where some of the games were upside down, to say the least. Let's, ru- let's run down the divisions here. Um, over in the Kings of the Castle Division, you got I Got the Nuts and Ninja Assassins 2-1 and one on, on top, and you got TBS and uh, Mud Monkeys at 1-2, and two, so it's it's very tight over there. You got the Ham and Eggers Division. Uh, uh, Mike's team, the Narwhals, are 3-0 and oh and looking really, uh, really good. You got Greenlight for Breezes uh, at 2-1, and one, but actually has the highest amount of points in the division, and I'm going to touch on the, on the points in just a second. Westane's massive at one and two, and uh, Emperor John at zero oh and three, and uh, 
both those teams are probably the ones I would have the biggest question marks about right now. And then over in the street urchins division, you got my team at three and zero, and uh, Kelly's at two and one. Both of our teams are really having a, a nice rebound season. Curb Stompers at one and two, and Miller High Life at zero and three, and both those teams uh, have a few more holes in it. So the last part I wanted to touch on before I throw it back over to you guys is I did some quick analysis on what we're doing as a league uh, on average points per game. So thus far through three weeks, if you add up the whole league, we're averaging about 77 points per game, which is uh, it's about normal, I would say. Uh, and the other league that we had uh, that was a keeper league, that generally ranged from 63 to 67 over the 18 years. And that one did not have uh, some of the facets that we have in scoring with the uh, half point per reception and there's a few other little tweaks um but it's it seems pretty spot on but what surprised me was that the lowest division from uh, last year is averaging 81.7 points per game and uh the middle division is the one that's bringing up the rear at 72.8 points per game and then you have the kings of the castle right at the league average so it looks like i mean obviously with my team being the higher scoring so far uh it, that helps offset it, but you know Kelly's team scoring really well. What the big problem is in the middle division is you have two teams who have scored under 200 for the year, and West Staines with 177 and Emperor John at 159, and those are the worst two in the league. So just some interesting stats uh, that I, I saw and seeing what the trends are thus far. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, you're right. Uh, when you have the you know the big anomalous week like you did of the 130 points, that does certainly skew it. Uh, you know, you are looking at the highest point total by far in the league by 50 points uh you know with your 310 versus the next highest which i think is uh actually mike at 265 and i'm right behind him at 260 so uh you know it's yeah you're you're talking about a total 50 point difference Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next six weeks because we play out of division rivals uh and and see how that actually works out yeah it's been it's been an interesting run of divisional games and i i think that you know i don't think we're that far off from where we kind of talked about the divisions as a whole from the previous show i mean i think that we thought that the top division would be the most even division across the board um and i think that that they've proven that with their you know there is no clear-cut winner of you know after the first three weeks whereas the other two divisions we kind of had hey these are going to be some stronger teams these are going to be some weaker teams and that's generally played out um along those lines i I think that the numbers along the you know the point totals is an interesting piece to look at it'll be interesting to track as this goes forward but the way that the first three weeks of the season have been i i think it's tough to try to actually get any data out of it after only looking at three weeks no, I agree with you. I'd say this is more of a data point, not necessarily the trend to be. So I think it'll be fun to sort of track this thing. This is, this is what I used to do in uh, you know the other league. I used to try to keep this going throughout the year. So I will try to make it a point on the next wrap-up to see where we go. I am looking forward to now we have uh, the next, actually the next seven weeks that we have. Yeah, yeah, seven weeks. Uh, seven? Okay. Yeah, because we start divisional play in week 11. So mm. now, now it's... Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta make hay right here because you come back around. That's uh, you know, it's going to be slotted games and whatnot. So we'll see uh, who takes advantage of you know having division leads or who squanders them. You know, I I'll say personally, looking at my team, I mean, hey, I've had some overperforming weeks, but I've been playing fantasy football for way too long to uh, to think that this is how it's going to be for the rest of the year. 
That's true. You should probably sell. Um, you, should you probably, probably start should. trading all your pieces away. Yeah, I mean, you're on the precipice, man. I mean, you know how it is. And if we're going to track from a data point, we know that it's going to do nothing but change from this data point. And since never, you're already at the top. You're never going to be a higher point. You're never nope. going to have a higher, uh, higher, you know, upside to, you know, look, you always sell high, you know, buy low. And your guys right now are, are worth a lot more than they would be normally. So yep. I think it's a good time for you to sell, especially Certainly. now that you know that that baseline Certainly. is more likely. Well, I'm glad I have uh, such sage advice from my partners here. It'll, uh, it shall be interesting. Um, you know, I am one uh, knee away from a Green Bay quarterback from hitting the full panic button. So we'll, we'll have to see there. Sure. It, you know, and, and then I was looking at my uh, my bench, and uh, it's a bunch of zeros there. I, I think it's it's a it's the bench full of flyers. So we'll see. I mean, I actually do have a little hesitation if injuries come up because that Jimmy G injury was really the first major injury out of a starting lineup. But we know that the the flies shall be dropping. Yeah, not long. I mean, it's been mostly on the defensive side of the ball, outside of a couple of running backs. But uh, you know, it's mostly been on the defensive side of the ball. So um, look at my Atlanta Falcons. But so look at it, just it's going to come. You know, it always does. It's just uh, whether or not you dodge the majority of the bullets. Exactly. So we're going to start the bye weeks coming up and that will sort of have to get some roster shuffling going on and maybe push some moves to go on. Um, This week, I believe we have Kelly on tap. I got to link up her schedule and she's going to be our next get to know an owner. So I look really look forward to that because I actually don't know her that well uh, because she's probably the busiest owner we have in the league with her schedule. But uh, yeah, we're certainly lucky to have her in the league and I'm very happy to see the the franchise turning around. So we'll be posing all the same questions as last time and try to get some insight on her. So for Eric and Mike Such. This is Avery wrapping up episode eight of the One Fine Dynasty League podcast. We'll be back at the end of the week with week four previews. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time.